your horse training questions answered. Answered. Welcome to the Carson James Podcast, your weekly boost of horsemanship. No jargon, no fluff, and no BS. Just natural, proven solutions that work. And now, here's Carson James. Hey everybody, and welcome to the podcast. The question for tonight says, oh, this is this is a good one. This one gets asked pretty often. Uh, how much confidence, respect, understanding is transferable to another rider, specifically when a horse is around the same one person 90% of the time and the other 10% is made up of several riders that are inexperienced? For context, we take care of horses for absentee landowners. We have noticed that owners having issues with their horses that we thought we had gotten rid of months ago. Barn, buddy, sour, head tossing, heaviness, spooking, etc. All right, so going into the question, uh, this will all make a lot more sense if you have been listening to some of these podcasts where we always talk about leadership and clarity in the horse is kind of the key to everything and without it nothing else is really able to work all right so let's say a pretty good rider gets a horse going along pretty good now said rider has you know put a couple months at least into this horse and you know they're pretty dang good at being clear and the horse is getting not completely certain but pretty sure of the kind of horse to be and how to think and what to do what to not do etc the key there is we said he's pretty sure okay now remember horses don't think and understand and reason like most people think they do they just they're kind of just they're they're like a computer you can tell it this button does that a thousand times, but if you kind of reprogram that button, you hit that button and it does something completely different and has no thought of it at all. It just does. It just does things. So that's kind of key for context as well. Uh, so now this horse gets gets given to somebody who is, you know, a good bit less experienced. Okay, so their timing is not as good when the horse is pushing just a little bit on the bit for example instead of catching that and correct it they just kind of hang and ignore it because they didn't realize what was going on okay well after after a week of just simply them missing that little thing the horse will be heavier not because he wants to be it's because he just for a while he was pretty sure that oh don't let this bit get heavy so he was fairly light and then he had two weeks of saying, eh, just kidding, you can let it be heavy. And he's like, oh, okay, well, I'm not seeing any reason to be light on the bit, so I guess I'll just be heavy on the bit. But I was pretty certain to be light. Well, no, let me check again. Okay, nope, nope, okay, that that doesn't count anymore. I can just be, be in, I'll just be heavy. So, see... What we're getting at is you can take the most broke horse in the world and give him to a really inexperienced rider. And after a month, two months, whatever, it's it's some manner of time, 
that horse will start getting spooky and barn sour, tossing his head heavy on the bit because a person that is not good at horsing is not going to be able to take any horse, no matter how broke he is, and keep him that broke. It's the rider's skill and ability and clarity of communication and confidence and leadership and the sureness they are able to give that horse every time they ride him that keeps him getting better or worse. And, you know, if he gets pretty sure, that can last for a manner of time, but any horse, doesn't matter what the story is, if you put somebody on him that starts doing everything wrong, they're going to ruin him. And so many people try so hard to find ways to get the horse to somehow just magically know, like, oh, okay, well, if they pull back and kick at the same time, that actually means go. But then the horse says, well, am I not running through the bit when I do that? Well, yeah, you are, but for this particular case, just kind of push on through the bit and walk off, even though they're pulling and kicking at the same time. But but in a different scenario, you know, when you feel the bit kind of get tight, you, you need to stop and back up or whatever. Well, how do I know which one? Oh, well, you just, I, I, oh, yeah, that's a good. So if people would spend more time educating themselves and learning how to operate a horse and less time worried about trying to get the horse to just somehow magically know what to do, which is a fool's errand, uh, you, you would not see all of the problems with transferring riders. Uh, somebody asked me kind of the same question the other day and thought about it for a minute and they were, they, they flew airplanes for a living. I said, let me ask you this. Have you ever known anyone to, without any training or any knowledge or any testing, just like try to design an airplane or get inside of an airplane and just take off and go fly around and be like, Oh, well, no, the, the airplane will just, it'll just kind of know what I want and it'll, it'll just kind of do it. No, that would be a suicide mission, right? A lot of people are going on total suicide missions with these horses and they, uh, they just end up blaming the horse for everything. But no, that, that person said, well, no, I went to, you know, I went to built hundreds of hours with an instructor and had to study and educate and practice and do scenarios and learn to how to feel to make a nice landing and all of this. I said, well, why, why don't they just build an airplane that just automatically does everything no matter what? And then that way, anybody with zero training can jump in a plane and fly around because at some point that would fail and you would crash and burn, you know, basically. Uh, then one person said, well, they have done that, like the commercial airliners and stuff. Okay, well, yeah, they can do a lot automatically, but the FAA would never allow somebody without years of hours and experience and ratings to fly one of those airliners. So it's kind of like that, you know. The airliner would be like the horse that is really experienced, and got real certain of what to do and kind of just kind of just knew the job 
and kind of just did it. Uh, but like, you know, it's, it's, it's really rare to see like a kid horse be really, really broke, like super light and things. Cause that horse kind of has to learn how to split the difference and realize, oh, well, even though they're technically telling me to stop or slow down, they really want me to keep going. And horses can realize and learn to kind of separate that. But even when you get that accomplished, you've taken a lot of the lightness and a lot of the refinement out of that horse. So the, uh, the solution there and you know, it's it's very hard to get people to have any passion or desire about uh, a lot of things these days. But the way to fix that has nothing to do with the horse. The human would just have to have enough interest to not just try to do the bare minimum to get by. You know, uh, once again, when somebody learns to drive, you know, they have to do school and pass the test and, you know, they have to do things. They don't expect to just get in and the car just do everything. Uh, when you, when you get like a new phone, you know, you go through it and you familiarize, you have to learn. And it kind of seems like a horse is the only object in this universe where people expect it to just kind of do the thing that they want it to do. Like, so I hope that that kind of answers it. Uh, but you know, the horse can only, the horse can only be as good as the rider. So people are going to have to just accept the consequences of not educating themselves and until they, until they learn to handle these things they're not gonna have a very good time with their horse uh i want to give just one ending example before we wrap it up in the question they had mentioned you know we didn't feel that these horses had any buddy sour or barn sour but then when we gave it to the owner it's all of a sudden barn sour okay well that's because with the experienced rider that horse was getting a lot of sureness, in other words, confidence, in other words, he felt secure in himself, so he did not feel the need to get somewhere to be comfortable, because he was not inwardly, emotionally uncomfortable away from the barn, but then you hand it over to a person who cannot provide that stuff to that horse, well, of course, He's going to try to find emotional and mental uh, comfort. In other words, his self-preservation is going to raise up because that new inexperienced rider is not capable of satisfying that self-preservation instinct. Therefore, the magnets are going to come right back up. And then you could probably get on that horse and then they would go away then the the other person would get back on and it would come right back so it's about the the security of the horse going up and down that determines when or how much of a magnet or barn sour he gets and that's just that's just one example you know 
We tell people at clinics all the time. They And we do some exercises and things to help it. But people are always asking about Buddy Sour. And what we try to do is just kind of convert their thinking and their focus onto the things we're doing in the clinic, which is basically trying to get them where they're good at horsing, right? Because that's the real way you fix the Buddy Sour. You learn how to give your horse comfort and security, like um, emotional comfort and security, so that self-preservation does not need to rise up and put up that horse's walls and make him start getting spooky and tense and hot and always wanting to go too fast, etc., etc. So that's, that's how that kind of stuff should be looked at. Now, once again, a, when a horse gets to a certain point, most of them will start to fill in a pretty good bit. Uh, like, like I had my father-in-law ride one of mine the other day, and he like he's, I think he's been on a horse like two or three times his whole life. But he was able to ride that horse around and turn him and stop him and speed him up a little bit and stuff like that. Uh, now I was watching, and there were a couple times there to where it looked like that horse was a little bit heavy on his leg. And, I mean, I didn't say anything or nothing. He was just playing around. Uh, but, see, if that would have been me, I probably would have kind of said, hey, get off my leg, where the father-in-law didn't. So that little instance right there, that horse got what a little bit of, oh, okay, I, I guess I guess I don't need to be that responsive to the leg. So if that went on for two or three weeks before, you know, <laughs> excuse me, uh, pretty quick, that horse would then be heavy to the leg until father-in-law started really being aware of when he was being kind of heavy to the leg and correcting him when that happened. And if father-in-law got really good at that, then that horse would only get lighter and lighter to the leg. So, uh, you know, just like always, has nothing to do with the horse and everything to do with the human. So uh, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, good luck with it. And the, uh, you know, I, I used to kind of feel like, oh, well, the way I'll help, I'll help these horses out is I'll get them where they're understanding more. And then I learned, well, no, the way you help these horses out is you fix the people. There's nothing wrong with the horses. So that's, that's kind of the, that's kind of the ever, the never ending the never-ending battle with uh, horses against humanity, you know. <laughs> All right, well, you guys have a uh, you guys have a good evening or night or afternoon. I guess it depends on when you're listening to this, and we will see you next time. You've been listening to the Carson James podcast. Real simple horsemanship. Subscribe now to get new questions answered every week. If you enjoyed this week's podcast, drop us a review and share it with your horsey friends.